What's going on, everybody? It is your boy, Crypto Bobby. I hope you're having a great day, great night, wherever you're watching or listening in from today. We got a good, we got a good one coming. We got a lot to talk about in the world of crypto. We're talking DeFi, we're talking YouTube, um, talking oil and a bunch of other things. What's up, Colton? How's it going, man? What's going on, Rob? A lot of big, exciting topics to touch on today. Yeah, and and to start things off, I mean, we'll just get straight down into it. Um, DeFi is has become an increasingly huge buzzword. Um, if anybody is is not incredibly familiar with DeFi, I did a tutorial a while ago now, might have been close to a year ago now, where I kind of walked through DeFi, like the pluses, the minuses, uh, my overall thoughts, and I've I've kind of been I don't want to say like super super early, but I've been an active participant in DeFi and, and an overall fan of it. Um, but that's not to say it's perfect. And that's not to say there's a number of issues. Uh, some people just absolutely hate it, uh, especially some in kind of the, the the real hardcore Bitcoin crew and everybody's allowed to have their own opinions. But uh, recently uh, in the past week, uh, DeForce, uh, LendFMe, aptly named uh, F in the chat, LendFMe, was <laughs> hacked for about... $25 million and uh, DeForce LendFMe was a DeFi lending protocol and somebody came in and participated basically in a vulnerability of one of the ERC-20 token standards, or one of the ERC token standards, swiped about 99.99999% of uh, DeForce's money and you you saw just like an interesting reaction overall. And I definitely want to take a little bit of time here to, to dive into it because with that hack, you number one, you start to see a lot of the issues with, with DeFi. Um, yes, things can be called decentralized finance. Yes, you can call it open finance or whatever. Um, but you have risks going from previously, you had these centralized institutions or these centralized parties, whatever they might be, um, having basically being the ones to, to, to carry the risk, these exchanges primarily. And now a lot of the risk goes to smart contracts. And in some cases, smart contracts are more vulnerable than these centralized exchanges. So there, there have been a number of just like issues overall, but that's not to take away from some of the bright side and the bright elements uh, around the DeFi space, but we can talk about that. And then also the hacker having to return the money essentially uh, which is an interesting twist on the story. And what happens when these people kind of steal just the money in general because it's not easy to cash it out, right? Right. And only in crypto can you steal millions of dollars and then have to give it back because you dox your IP address, right? So, I mean, that just in and of itself is is unique, I think. But that's the thing with these hackers. Um, you can't easily... Um, cash out because there's all these chain analysis companies. There's, um, um, what is it? Uh, coin firm. They do the same kind of thing where you know, they, yeah. they can lock in on your, your wallet addresses. They can track the Bitcoin, the ETH, whatever, whatever, um, token that you've taken. And, uh, you can't just easily send that to another exchange. I mean, Binance, for example, that's the hackers that, that took that 7,000 Bitcoin a couple of months ago they're still locked in on those addresses, you know, and they've sent yeah. Bitcoin around to several dozens uh, of addresses and wallets and they just can't shake them. Yeah. It becomes, it becomes definitely an issue. I mean, on the hacking side, which right. 
I guess it's good. I, I guess it's good. Um, I, I, maybe yeah. we were talking before, like it might be slightly a deterrent because yes, you can, can hack these exchanges or you can hack these DeFi products. But on the flip side, like you might be sitting there with Bitcoin or with ETH or with something else for years, potentially like the, the original Bitfinex hacker is still sitting on a fat stash of Bitcoin that they just can't move because nobody will take it. Everybody knows that's the Bitfinex hacker address and there's nobody's going to let you cash that out into US dollars or anything else. So what do you do you know, with that? Do you just sit on that forever? Do you wait till you know, one day something happens or there's a product that allows you to wash it? Um, it, it brings up a really just like interesting point overall with the, the hacking space in general. But going back to, to DeFi too, I think, you know, a lot of people want to prematurely call DeFi dead because there have been a number of, of hacks recently um, or just vulnerabilities. And part of that, I think, is due to relatively inexperienced teams. Um, DeFi is hot. DeFi is the buzzword. Anything with DeFi now, maybe they can get a little bit of funding. Uh, maybe they can pick up a little bit of traction because you're, you know, you're throwing the, the DeFi name on it. Um, and just because somebody has a quote unquote decentralized product that's running on Ethereum, running on something else, doesn't mean you shouldn't put your money behind it. And just because it's quote unquote decentralized, yes, there's probably, uh, you know, publicly auditable smart contract, but not every one of these smart contracts has actually been audited by reputable, uh, reputable firms like, you know, an open Zepp, uh, like, a open Zeppelin, or some of the other kind of uh, smart contract auditing firms out there. So something to, to definitely keep in mind is not all DeFi products are created equal, but basically everyone suffers from the potential to have some type of vulnerability. And just because it does have that doesn't mean you shouldn't use it, but you should just be cautious. I would, some people have recommended putting your life savings in DeFi. I think that's an outrageous, idiotic move, 100%. Um, but I also do think it's will, it's worth kind of experimenting with some of these products in general, because if we are looking in the crypto world and we are like trying to go towards the original ethos, ethos, these are not necessarily fully decentralized products, but they are non-custodial, which is better than the centralized alternative in some respects. Not always, but it's a step right. in the right direction. All right. It's a step in the right direction. And, you know, there, there's Bitcoin maximalists, you know, kind of dancing on the grave of DeFi maybe, you know, and uh, there's such a, a big division within the community. Sometimes it, uh, it hurts the community as a whole, I think the whole crypto community. So, you know, I'm a fan of the DeFi system ecosystem and these different products that keep coming out and they're trying to innovate, you know, maybe the way that these products and, and companies or even projects and teams operate, you know, maybe if they were to operate like a startup, you know, and kind of have a cohesive leadership, um, uh, I don't know, I want to call it like a board, but a team maybe, you know, which um, that might help these products come together a little bit more. It might help the community, the ETH community, for example, um, really come together. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on that? Sometimes I feel like it's more of just a bunch of different projects trying to do a lot of different stuff instead yeah. of like a company trying to bring together a cohesive group of products and have one cohesive ethos and, and uh, mission. Yeah. So I, I think in theory, that sounds great. Um, but when you're talking about something with the title of decentralized finance, when you have a, a company behind it, 
Um, I think, yes, there is definitely efficiencies as far as probably the, you know, the product development, the quality of the product, um, and a number of other components, but that's also, uh, you know, a vulnerability, especially on the legal or regulatory front, um, when you have a company behind it, but there are a lot of firms that, or there are a lot of projects like compound finance is one of the biggest ones in the, in the mm-hmm. space, uh, maker uh, or the maker foundation as well. Uh, the maker foundation actually just got sued recently, which is going to be a pretty landmark, um, I think lawsuit in the, in the, in the industry overall, because, uh, people that utilized the maker CDP system are, are suing because of an issue with the liquidations of that CDP system with that black Thursday crash that happened. Um, and it's, it's going to be potentially a defining moment because a lot of these cryptocurrencies or a lot of these projects are set up as foundations uh, to essentially avoid legal liability. And if all of a sudden all these, you know, all these firms or all these foundations are, are legally liable for malfunctions, for issues, whatever it might be, that could be a big issue overall for just the space in general. So it's, it's something worth, it's, it's a, it's a tricky situation. And it also too goes back to just like the core development of a lot of these platforms, like people get mad at Ethereum for its lack of efficient development. Like it's taken forever and it, who knows when Ethereum 2.0 is going to launch. But that's because there isn't a, a, like there's the Ethereum foundation, there's consensus and there's all these different kind of companies in general, or just like uh, different like subunits in general, but there's no Ethereum, you know, Inc or LLC or whatever that is right. you know, driving this uh, forward. And the same can be said with Bitcoin. People complain about Bitcoin moving slowly as far as development goes. That's because there is no one person behind mm-hmm. Bitcoin's development that's pushing this stuff forward. And if there was, it might move quicker, but then, Hey, maybe the FBI comes knocking on Bitcoin Inc's door or whatever it is, and then they're in trouble. So, right, yeah, you bring up a good point there with just the um, like who represents these companies and these these foundations, yeah. right? So it'll be interesting to see. I think you're right; it's a kind of a landmark case. Um, we'll have to keep keep tabs on that for sure. Yeah, totally. Well, we'll definitely do that. And another one, speaking of lawsuits, and and this oh, is uh, this is a an, an interesting one, and we're talking about it. If you're listening on the podcast, then then you're not on the platform. But uh, basically, the two platforms we publish this on are the podcast and on on YouTube. Uh, and Ripple, uh, within the past, I think, 48 hours, decided to sue YouTube, which is is interesting uh, in general. And and basically, the crux of the lawsuit is there are a lot of these scam giveaways and. I think part of it is is basically uh, these these channels somehow gaming the YouTube algorithm because it's crazy because you'll see these these giveaways and it's not just Ripple like it'll be Vitalik Buterin it'll it'll be some type of I don't know Joe Lubin somebody else it'll be it'll be a, a picture of Brad Garlinghouse and they'll have two thousand people live watching it and then it's just like a bunch of nonsense and then the 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 crux of the video is to get somebody to whatever send. 100 XRP to get 500 XRP back or send one ETH to get five ETH back. And I don't know how that works on anybody in general, but Ripple is suing suing YouTube because it's damaging their brand and because they're saying YouTube profits off the scams, um, which is, it's an interesting claim. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know who who falls for that. Like, <laughs> I don't understand that. But somebody they, does because it's got to be profitable somehow, which is right. wild. They keep doing it, and I remember well, Twitter the same thing when in the bull run in 2017, yeah. everyone was going nuts. There were so many scam bots doing the same thing all over Twitter. You couldn't even sort through it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people upset with with YouTube and some of these social media platforms just in general for these kinds of things. You know, they they kind of um, play both sides in terms of maybe, mm. quote unquote, allowing these scams to continue and not deplatforming them. Yep. But also then they come back on the flip side and then, you know, they they delete videos that they deem in violation that some say may have a political lean one way or the other. So for example, um, the videos with this whole coronavirus on YouTube that go against what the World Health Organization says, they are, they're taking them down straight up, you know, so they're playing both sides and kind of picking and choosing their battles. Yeah. yeah and, and even to that point too, so like Ripple sues YouTube, uh, because they're doing scam giveaways, YouTube probably has started to tighten up on the whatever the keywords around crypto and and all that type of thing. Um, and now you're starting to see, well, we've seen it for a while, and people are freaking out on Twitter. Um, and I have empathy for it. Um, but like large and small crypto YouTubers are getting banned; their accounts are getting deleted most of the time. I don't know anybody yet who's just had their their of account permanently deleted a lot of times i don't know if it's like um some type of of just like troll or something like that mass reporting whatever it might be um but they're getting their accounts deleted and for some of these people luckily for me it's not a not a big portion of my livelihood it's like five bucks a video and ad revenue so um maybe maybe having half a buffalo chicken wrap on that but it does go to show the the like god you know the god mode that youtube basically plays and you have number one you have platform risk i think a lot of people don't necessarily like you know they want to they want to yell and scream and say like how dare youtube but like nobody's putting a gun to your head and making you post on youtube um there's a reason you post on youtube it's because you get the most engagement there the most people watch your videos like all that you make the most money from youtube Mm-hmm. Um, and YouTube, generally speaking, it's a, you know, it's a private company, you know, well, it's a public company, but it's, it's not a government entity. Like YouTube can do whatever the hell they want. Um, I think they're, they're perfectly in their right to do what they want. Do I have to agree with it? No. Would I be pissed if YouTube deleted my channel? Yeah, of course. Um, but everybody always, you know, kind of yells and screams like we need a decentralized alternative. We need a decentralized alternative. Um, but it's kind of a chicken and egg problem and it's an issue because there's not that many people that watch videos on the decentralized platforms. So library or whatever else, gab, things like that on the flip side. So if there's nobody that's watching videos on those platforms, there's not many creators that are going to post videos on those platforms. Uh, and then not many creators are posting videos on those platforms. So not many people are going to watch it. And you have this kind of two-sided marketplace issue overall, which just becomes a, a big challenge. So YouTube is, is kind of in this like interesting just position in the market where they're just completely dominant. I don't know what's going to happen with a ripple lawsuit in general. It's you think ripple uh, wins. No, I, I mean, ripple's got a lot of money. Sure. They They don't, they don't have Google money. They do not have Google money. Um, I I don't know. Maybe I'm not a lawyer. So I'm literally talking out of my ass right right now. So I have absolutely no clue. Um, but it was, Twitter was pretty funny because 
again, there are a lot of people that find Ripple and XRP to, you know, be nefarious actors or a scam in general, or it's, you know, it's commonly called a scam. So then you have the, you know, Spider-Man, the Spider-Man gif of the two Spider-Mans pointing back. (laughs) And, you know, it's like Ripple calling YouTube scammers when Ripple is really the scammer. So there were were some funny tweets because Brad Garlinghouse, the CEO of Ripple, put up this whole, you know, tweet thread. um, And yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I don't know. It's I think it's a he probably just did it to get some eyes on it. You know, I mean, whether they win or lose, they're going to it's not going to crush their business if they lose. If they win, great. You know, they they made their point. Mm-hmm. Um, but YouTube is just one of the examples of these these um, platforms that have a ton of power and a ton of content creators and and viewership and loyalty. Twitter even. I mean, yeah people i can't think of a better twitter alternative i love twitter you know gab trying to do something similar but it's just not really the same they just don't have the the people they don't have the people on their platform twitch shout out twitch (laughs) Twitch. that's the future Um, yes yeah bsb baby put it on the blockchain um (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean it's it is it is true like you know Companies like YouTube, platforms like YouTube, Twitter, they, they have creators, they have people basically by the balls. So it's right. uh, it's tough to, you have to have, I feel like you kind of have to have empathy on both ends of the spectrum. Like YouTube, it has to be very, very difficult to do their job. Um, you know, they try and I'm sure they have a lot of people manually that do the checks and then they try and do it with algorithms to ease the you know ease the burden because they have how many billions of hours of of video you know content getting uploaded every day Mm -hmm. um so i have empathy on that end and i'm sure a lot of the stuff that they you know ban or they delete is not nefarious not some grand conspiracy theory but then i also have empathy for the people that for the youtube content creators uh and the people that post stuff that is either good information or just shouldn't get banned and they get no accounts deleted maybe that's a big portion of their revenue or their just earnings now that sucks too. So yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a no win situation that still leads to YouTube dominating in terms of content. Right, and it's kind of a volume problem too. A lot of the stuff, a lot of the YouTube, is, it's just algorithms, you know, banning stuff, you know, just by keywords and keyword searches. So and then you know when someone's account gets banned, it takes them days to you know hear from a human sometimes on hey my account mm-hmm. got banned and I don't know why. So it's same thing with with uh, people's Twitter accounts getting getting banned and shadow banned and all that. Sometimes these algorithms just catch certain words and you can't really do much until someone gets back to you. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. <laughs> and going to, going to our segment today, uh, you know, going back to Pump It, Dump It, we're going in big as always. Uh, and if you're not familiar with Pump It, Dump It, Pump It, things are going up, Dump It, things are going down. Colton, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you first on, on the Pump It side of the house. What are you, what are you pumping this week? This week, the the MJ documentary, The Last Dance, that pumped my week up big time. Needed that. I'm a huge MJ fan, just uh, in general. But this MJ documentary, right? <laughs> Ooh, MJ, MJ for sure. I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, but I, I mean, the documentary is awesome. If you haven't seen it, check it out. A lot of buzz out there. Uh, let us know what you think in the comments. Big fan. I think it's just uh, I mean, there's ten episodes and. 
they release it once one episode a week i think it is and i hate that i've been so uh we've been spoiled you know when netflix releases whole series at a time you just binge it you gotta wait once a week this for this one (laughs) yeah i'll stick on the sports pumping it this week um the draft, the NFL draft, which will be interesting, as as a lot of you folks know, I'm a huge Jets fan. Um, if they don't take a O lineman or a wide receiver, I'm jumping out my window, uh, number eleven. Uh, but I'm pumped for the NFL draft. If the NFL season is delayed, uh, that's gonna be that that's gonna be dump it my life because um, <laughs> Sundays during the football season are like the highlight of my year. Um, even though the Jets are awful, but I'm pretty pumped for the NFL draft Thursday, Friday, Saturday, even though it's remote, even though it'll it'll be weird. Um, it should still be, should still be awesome. So I'm pretty pumped for that. Is, is now a good time to tell you that I'm a Redskins fan. I don't think we've talked about this yet. Um, maybe once, I mean, maybe, well, I'm a Redskins fan. I'm not proud of it. It's, Almost, I mean, probably we can relate on this, like being a Jets fan, being a Redskins fan, both teams suck endlessly. Like, I mean, Chase Young, it's Chase Young time, isn't it? It's got to be Chase Young time. It's got to be. You guys go, seriously, you guys go to it and take two quarterbacks back to back. (laughs) I'm dumping it forever. That would be so stupid. Oh, Um, I wouldn't doubt it, but no, I don't, I don't, I hope you guys don't have that in you. No, I don't know, honestly. But this draft will be good. It'll be good to see. Weird yeah. that it's it's remote, but I mean, hey, hopefully get back to normalcy. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get back some sports <laughs> in our life for sure. And uh, dumping it this week, what do you got? I've got I've got Zoom. I'm dumping Zoom. <laughs> Everyone's pumping Zoom. As, you know, everyone. As, as I have my T-shirt on. <laughs> as you have your T-shirt shout, on, and shout out Ryan. Yeah. As you know, Zoom. I mean, you and I, we live three thousand miles away from each other, and we need Zoom to kind of operate and function as a business. Um, but I've got Zoom fatigue. I mean, people weren't meant to communicate like this extensively, especially when you've got like gallery mode and you've got fifteen people, you know, right in yeah, front of your worst. face. You, you don't have social Tough. cues. I, I mean, you just I'm dumping Zoom. I just, I miss that face-to-face interaction. Yeah. Um, I mean, Zoom stock. Sure. Oil stock. Yikes. Dump it. Dump it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so it's it's funny just because I think like the Twitter world has gone from being <laughs> coronavirus experts and, you know, experts on contagious disease to all of a sudden uh, being, you know, financial experts now to being, you know, expert oil traders over the course of like a week. Um, so right now, uh, oil went negative. I don't really know what that means. I actually know a little bit about what that means. Um, I triggered some people on Twitter because I was joking about oil being negative and, and, um, just tweeting nonsense like I typically do, but, uh, I'm dumping oil this week, dumping it hard. Literally yeah. into the ocean from tankers I think, because I think literally cheaper. everyone is dumping oil. Um, it's safe to say, but I do want to bring up a topic um, that this whole oil situation has brought into light a little bit. Here is is um, how Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining in particular, uh, and oil, how they kind of link together, right? So, um, I don't know who out there listens to Tales from the Crypt. Uh, podcast, but Marty Bent runs that podcast and he's a part of this company called Great American Mining. And it's really fascinating what Great American Mining is doing um, 
when it comes to Bitcoin mining and oil and gas companies. So essentially what they're doing is they are retrofitting oil and gas wells um, with mining rigs and equipment to capture flare waste. Um, so oil wells, they produce a certain amount of waste that just basically goes up in the atmosphere. It's completely wasted. Sometimes they can harness it and then they sell it for a loss. But it, so it's really, you know, an issue for these oil and gas companies. Um, and there's Bitcoin mining companies out there, or for example, Great American Mining. What they're trying to do is they're harness that, that waste um, that the oil and gas companies just shrug off, harness it and turn it into um, mining capacity, right? Into mining power. So these two industries um, that are that are very different align in the sense that uh, I think Marty said they're they're ruthless capitalists, right? Like these industries are ruthless capitalism industries where miners are looking for cheap and abundant energy sources. Oil and gas companies are looking to be as efficient and and profitable as, as possible. So really any um, way that these these um, oil and gas companies and Bitcoin miners, any way you can get an edge, I, I mean, it's going to increase your margins. Gonna, you're going to make more money and you're going to outpace the competition. So a really interesting development there. Um, and I think you know, for any of you listeners out there that are interested in Bitcoin mining, uh, check out Tales from the Crypt. Check out Marty Bent stuff. Um, really, really interesting stuff going on. Yeah, it's uh, the the ways that people get creative with with Bitcoin mining. You know, with the capturing flare ups, um, and just like the overall like, I, I've spoken to some guys that have some pretty large like mining operations, like working directly with local governments and securing these like massive contracts for super cheap energy i have a buddy that has a pretty pretty large mining uh, operation in the u.s uh, in the middle of basically nowhere um and just like the the amount of basically the amount of energy that they are able to buy and kind of purchase that's in some cases unused um and would go to waste otherwise it's Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting and complex subunit of that it's also a very important kind of aspect of, of the Bitcoin industry, but there's, especially when you think about like what gets published in the mainstream media about Bitcoin mining, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of components around energy waste and things like that, which yes, I'm sure it is not, you can spin it in a bunch of different ways. I'm sure net net, it's not an environmentally friendly industry, but there's a lot of components that just, miners are there to make money like you said they're ruthless capitalists they're not the people that are for the most part mm-hmm. on the podcasts and doing the conference circuit and just kind of they're they're quietly going around in you know in the back of the house you know doing their business so right. it's uh it's kind of a, a a shadowy i think it's definitely more of a shadowy part of the the crypto industry but a really really interesting um, a really interesting place because it, it is such a huge component of, of what the crypto world is. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, at least for the time being, you know, we don't have negative priced Bitcoin or negative priced Bitcoin <laughs> barrels. So that's, that's a positive. That is a net positive. Um, you know, and, and am I saying that oil going negative is bullish for Bitcoin? I don't think so. I don't think overall that's just bullish for, for Bitcoin in general. I'm just a, picking out this little niche piece yeah. of Bitcoin mining and saying, hey, look, people are doing creative stuff and they're harnessing energy that would otherwise be wasted. So mm. that's awesome to see. And it's really cool to follow. 
So definitely encourage you if you have interest to do, in doing that and to do so. So one of the ways we like to just finish off the, the podcast and the YouTube is going into just job interview and crypto career tips. Uh, if you don't know, Colton and I both run Proof of Talent, which is a recruiting firm that works primarily with companies in the blockchain and crypto world. So we spend all day helping folks find jobs in the crypto industry. And we got this question from Sam who said, how would a student best get started in this industry? It seems like there's scope for existing developers to swap into crypto, but not a lot of pathways for a graduate. And I think this is a great question for people that are potentially about to graduate school or also maybe rising sophomores, juniors who are trying to plan out their future and want to get into the crypto industry. So Colton, I know you've spoken to a number of people kind of in this situation. Would love to get your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, sure. Great question, Sam. Uh, a lot of people asking that question. Uh, the first thing I'd say is, is to just stay plugged in. Stay plugged in as best you can, um, whether that is online, on Twitter, um, you know, tweeting or following the right folks, uh, different companies, LinkedIn, Telegram, you name it. There's lots of different ways to stay plugged in online and, and often an opportunity to interact um, with a lot of people in the space. Ask questions. Um, slide into their DMs, you know, just do things like that online that, uh, you know, will help you stand out um, and gather up in as much information as possible. The second thing is um, meetups. There's a lot of meetups out there, um, whether you're right in. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, um, they're remote. but Well, yes. yeah, there used to be. And hopefully after COVID, R. you know, chills out. Uh, <laughs> if you live in places, you know, big cities, there's tons of them. Um, you know, I'm not sure smaller cities, but like New York, San Francisco, um, a lot of meetups, a lot of ways to get together with people and just network and learn from each other and, and meet people face to face. That's always a great way to do it. Um, then the last thing, follow us on Twitter, follow Rob and I follow proof of talent. I mean, we are a recruiting firm in the industry and we do our best to, um, provide insight on what kind of opportunities we're working on, whether they are technical or whether they're not. So Give us a follow, stay plugged in, and um, just uh, stay active in the space in general. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I would add to that too um, is is blockchain clubs. So I've had the opportunity to talk to uh, a few different blockchain college uh, college and and kind of graduate level blockchain clubs. Um, so if, if your college has one, I would definitely recommend joining it. There's a lot of networking opportunities. There's a lot of really good learning. A lot of the uh, like Wharton does a uh, big conference. They have a ton of people come in and speak. So those are fantastic ways to just build up connections and build up a lot of knowledge. And maybe if you go to a smaller school or a school that just isn't as into it right now, start a club. Um, I think that level of initiative, I've, I've spoken to different candidates who have gone to schools that did not have those clubs or organizations. They started their own club. And that's the type of thing that when you're talking to somebody you can, you're talking to, you know, you're interviewing for a job. You can say, Hey, I'm really passionate about this space. I'm really passionate about this industry. I started this club in college. I organized whatever events like that type of thing is, is really appealing to individuals and to companies in general. And I think it's, it's a great way to build up your network and also just build up good experience beyond uh, college and beyond your education. So that's one of the things I would definitely leave off with is if your school has a blockchain club, join it. Definitely really participate. Don't just show up every once in a while, participate, join it, do your thing there. And if they don't have one, find maybe somebody else who's interested at your school and start a blockchain club. And I think that is 
uh, a great way to, to approach things in the future. Yeah. One last thing that popped into my head just now that um, it's not financial advice, of course, but I, I think it's important to, to buy some Bitcoin, buy some, some ETH, like actually like, you know, it doesn't have to be a ton. It's, don't put your life savings into this stuff. But what I'm saying is, you know, mess around with it a little bit, get a wallet, send some Bitcoin to yourself. Um, you know, make sure you write down your seed phrase first and, and then delete it and then do it again. You know, just like practice a little bit. Practice makes perfect. Familiarize yourself with um, the different currencies out there with Bitcoin, with the DeFi infrastructure and, and all these different products out there. And once you get your hands dirty and get in the weeds a little bit, um, you'll really learn a lot more that way too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if you really want to work in this space, you need to, to participate and, and just have meaningful experience. And it's, it is difficult to get meaningful experience when somebody won't necessarily pay you to do so. Uh, but just do your best building that meaningful experience in, in any way you can. And um, that's, that's a lot of that is just personal initiative. It's, it's going out and making things happen. Uh, and it's kind of like, how bad do you want it? And you can tell some people really are really, really passionate and want to work in this industry no matter what. And some people are like, Hey, you know, I want to work in blockchain. And then, you know, two weeks later they take a job in accounting and nothing, nothing wrong with accounting, but <laughs> they didn't really want to work in the industry. So, right. That's just something to think about overall and, and hopefully helpful. And if you folks have any questions or anything like that, um, as always, link to Proof of Talent in the YouTube and podcast description, uh, Colton's Twitter handle, my Twitter handle. Uh, so you can always reach out to us if you have any questions about uh, careers in the crypto world, definitely let us know. Uh, but also just finishing off, you know, thoughts on the DeFi space right now. Is it a ton of hype? Is it a huge scam? Are you just going to lose all your money? Um, or is it young and we just need time to grow? And then on the YouTube side of the house, as Colton said, as, as all of our, our Twitter registered lawyers and Esquires, uh, <laughs> is, <laughs> is, is Ripple going to win or is it going to be YouTube? So would love to hear from you in the comments and, uh, Colton until next week.